You've come to the right place. If you're a course creator looking to build more impact, income, and freedom, LMS Cast is the number one podcast for course creators just like you. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of the most powerful tool for building, selling, and protecting engaging online courses called Lifter LMS. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest, Susan Wheeler Hall. How are you doing, Susan? Great, great. Thanks, Chris. It's great to have you on the show. We're going to be talking about accessibility and also Susan's journey as a entrepreneur, a WordPress person, a course creator, um, and an ex- a champion and advocate for accessibility. Um, and we're just going to get into that and what that means in all kinds of different ways. But just to kind of set the the context for the episode here, can you tell us how you're about you yourself and and dealing with chronic illness and how your accessibility story kind of began? Where did all this arise out of? Sure. That's a big question. Um, Well, I I was born with a disability, so my mother had it. And then I have another brother with the same disability. It's a progressive neuromuscular disorder called Charcot-Marie Tooth that nobody really knows. So it's just you know, hey, CMT, it is what it is. Um, So it it impacts me in the way that, well, I walk very little these days, um, but I'm still walking, so that's a good thing. Um, I type with three fingers now. I started with all of them, but sort of progress. But, you know, it's an interesting thing, that word progress, because in the medical world, it has totally different connotation. It can be both, hey, you're doing well, you're making progress, and oh, by the way, you have a progressive disease. Right. So you're progressing in the wrong direction. Um, but it's never really stopped me. I think I live by what I call my unstoppable principle. And um, one thing for sure, my disability has been my best friend because it always teaches me to, you know, find another way. There's always another way. And that's what I really love about online online work because it's a real kind of level playing ground, if you like, you know, because um, disability was never really my best asset in the employment world, let's put it that way, um, which is why I decided in my early 20s to go to university and, and study social work because I figured it would be the one place that my disability would work for me. And it certainly did. But then I have this really strong entrepreneurial side to me. So, you know, counseling work alone just didn't satisfy me. So I did a lot of uh, writing, public speaking, disability advocacy, teaching about how to sell and service to the disabled population, um, things like that. What, what brought you into the fold of WordPress? Because you also have a, your own design service consultancy. Right. What, what, where did WordPress enter the picture? How did that happen? Were you yeah. blogging or? No, that's sort of, I, I had a publishing business. was part of one of the things that I did with um, writing books and, you know, back of the room sales kind of thing, right? Um, so the publishing work, it just sort of naturally evolved into the uh, web work. 
She thinks I'm talking to her, my cat. <laughs> it's common on podcasts where if somebody has a cat and as soon as they start talking, it like comes over and <laughs> yeah, like, dogs bark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my, my uh, publishing work just sort of naturally evolved into web work, um, which I found really cool because I'm very creative. So that's sort of how I got into that. And then, um, you know, I paid someone initially to work with me on web, a website uh, for a large uh, disease organization, actually. And I work with them in New York. Um, but then, I, you know, I'm just entrepreneurial and I love learning. So I, I really love WordPress. So I kind of really got into it. And, and you just grow every day. I mean, workers, you just, there's so much to learn, you know. So um, that's how I got into WordPress. And then the online uh, course creation, I did, my first course was called Living Well When Unwell, you know, that was more in my coaching work. And that went really well, and I really liked it. And so you but, were helping other people with chron- dealing with chronic illness. Yeah, it was very cool because I had people from like Norway and Alaska and Scotland, all over the place. It was wonderful because there's a real um, lack of support for people when they're, you know, adjusting to a chronic disease or an illness. So, yeah, it was a six-week course, and I really enjoyed doing that. But, you know, again, that's more the coaching, counseling work. So, um, but then that's what sort of led me into, you know, I wanted to, to, to do it myself, like get it on my own platform. And then that's how I hooked in with the lifter. Awesome. And one of your sites, uh, lifesmarts.ca, I think is a very beautiful implementation of a website. It's got a nice clean design and you're selling accessibility training courses into three different markets, festivals, theaters, and restaurants. Mm-hmm. And I just think the organization, the design, the implementation of the tools you chose to use for that is a really great example of what you can do with an online course site. And also you're selling um, in bulk, like to businesses where you have mm-hmm. like a group plan where they can have one to 49 students or an organization plan where they can have 50 to hundred or a um you know solo one person single student seat it's just there's there's like this is a more advanced implementation and it's you you've done a really good job on on all the levels from design to development and marketing and everything it just looks really clean um what's the story of that why did you make this um i did that because i um uh, I think I mentioned to you before, I did some work with the cruise industry, like teaching them how to sell and service to uh, clients with, dis- dis- with disabilities. And then um, my partner is big on, she's a radio host, so we go to a lot of festivals. So then I become like the accessibility police, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that I just started working with a lot of the EDs and ADs on how to make their outdoor festival more accessible. So that's how that started. And then um, we got hooked in kind of with a, with a cruise, a music festival on cruise. And then so that they, it just seemed to naturally come together. So they asked me to do some training, you know, uh, like webinars. 
And I said, hey, I wonder if I make you an online course. And they're like, giddy up. <laughs> so I did that. That was the uh, launch of that, the Life Smarts of the Accessibility Training. And then the good thing about that was because the tools that you have in Lifter, I could just clone them, <laughs> which was great. So then I cloned it for restaurants and businesses and you know other sort of uh, markets, if you like. And then just tweak them because it's, you know, some basics. I mean, the accessibility training is not rocket science. It's just basically knowing how to respectfully, you know, uh, talk with people with disabilities. And basically my goal in the training is to help the salesperson, if you like, or the cruise person or whoever, to feel more confident when they interact with a client or a customer with disabilities you know so that was the goal and that's how that came about what what do you do just I'm, I'm asking on behalf of other course creators out there that when you're doing like a business to business kind of sale or like what marketing advice do you have just for how to get customers or clients for this type of training like what do you do what what's working really well for you for um for marketing yeah, or not, yeah. Um, yeah. Or are they just finding you? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of both. I mean, um, I find that if you do one thing well, if you get in there and you do a good job with, like, one festival, then they Word talk mouth. to each other, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I do go to some industry um, conferences. Yeah. So, the, again, my partner, because of her work, she'll go as, like, the MC for the conference. And then I go and, you know, I get in free if I offer a presentation on accessibility, right? And then that's sort of how that started. So, yeah, I go to a number of conferences like that. And it, initially I started by saying, you know, well, it's a little bit different here in Canada than the U.S. I know that from my work. Um in the U.S., it's much more welcomed. Okay. You have a bigger market. And uh, so often what I've done here is, you know, I'll offer to do a full-day presentation for free. Okay. And then that will create the interest. And then, then the next year they welcome me back and pay me. <laughs> Playing the long game. That's Yeah. That's really cool. That's good advice. And, I mean, you're getting out of the building and you're going and, you know, in front of people and doing stuff. It, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And you know, what was really interesting was this last uh, winter, I was supposed to speak at a big conference in Montreal and there was a big snow problem. We couldn't go. So it was like, well, Hey, I could do it online. So they, uh, there I was at the conference still doing it online and then uh, teaching about the online training. And then one of the other marketing things that I do that really works well is one person in attendance will get a free get a free um, pass for 100 students. Oh, like a giveaway kind of thing? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm a big fan of the giveaway. We use that <laughs> in our marketing stack as well. Um, well, I want to get into our main conversation around accessibility here. Uh, and just to note, like in the WordPress ecosystem in general, accessibility is a hot topic. There's a lot of people that are working to make it better. Like things are okay, but they're not great or perfect by any means. Mm -hmm. um, companies like mine, software companies want to 
I, it's important to us, but like me personally, as a leader in a software company, I need some help kind of figuring out what's going on and what, what should I do? Like, what's the top priority? Um, and then like, how do I, you know, I, I think there's an education gap, which hopefully we're going to get in today so that people in any business, whether you're selling courses or software, you have a brick and mortar business, um, just kind of open the eyes to accessibility. And yeah. Yeah, take us to school. Cool. <laughs> well, okay, I've got a little. Let me open up my uh, screen. I know that. Um, see, I'm going to hit the share the screen thing, right? See now. And sorry for the people that. Um, oops. No, no, no. View. There we go. There we go. All right. So accessibility in online courses. Um, I, yeah, because I wanted to keep this conversation specific to online courses because, you know, that's why we're here. Yeah. But basically, like, the main things that I think are important to this market would be the overlooked client. Well, I guess it wouldn't be client, be customer population, um, underused employment segments, cross-diversity, universal impact, and learning styles. Um, and if you look at the population alone, right, I mean, this is where the difference in Canada and U.S. I mean, 61 million uh, compared to 3.8 million in Canada, but that's because you have a truckload of more people than we do, right? But that does mean that you have a large, a larger market uh, than here in Canada. And so if I had to say the bulk of my work in selling services and supports to do with disability has come from the U.S., more so than Canada. I have to really fight for work here. Yeah. Uh, much easier in the U.S. And in terms of underemployment, I mean, there's a really large talent pool of people with disabilities because, you know, working from home is ideal, and it creates uh, more of a level playing field for people with disabilities. So, Things like VA and tech support. I mean, for a lot of you businesses like yourself that are looking to hire people that maybe that want for tech support and whatnot, this is a great pool to work in because um, people with disabilities primarily are not scared of devices because we need a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like I say, there's a, a lot of people that need to work from home as opposed to want to work from home. And there's the transferable skills. I mean, problem solving comes really easy for folks that have to deal with ongoing changes in their body and health and life. Um, you know, so like in my case, it's retire or reinvent myself, and I just keep going for the reinvention. But the um, – and the cross-diversity thing, I mean, we are the only um, – I guess, marginalized group, you could say, that crosses them all. <laughs> you know, we're going to show up in every single one of them. When I, when I say us, I'm referring to people with various disabilities. Um, and as the uh, technology advances, certainly is a lot more people with disabilities online, which is great. And in terms of universal impact, and this might be really useful for you in terms of you know, a web provider or software company, knowing um, 
the guidelines in terms of what to follow to make your product more amenable for um, people in a universal way. And, you know, the universal design, it can get really complicated. But so I've just pulled out the four basics for you. So, you know, the four main things that people look for is um, perceivability in terms of making sure that things are understood. Little things like the alt text in your image library. Now, that's a big deal. Uh, you know, it's usually one of the well, last minute things that someone may or may not do because you're always changing images. Yeah. But for the visually impaired, that's, that's the only way they're going to see your image because uh, they need to hear it back to them. And then uh, making sure things are operable, keyboard and mouse access. And this is, um, I mean, like I said, I type with three fingers, so you know I'm pretty good at doing that sort of thing, get speedier over the years. But there's certain mouse things that I can't do, you know, and I find different ways to adapt to do that. So there are a lot of uh, little tools, like when you're planning something, just to make sure, can it be done by a keyboard? Can it be done by a mouse? And where, I, where I'm saying block text, sometimes in the design factor, and this is where my serene web design work is coming in, um, you know, I will have block text, big text block, image block, text block. So some unification, because you have to consider someone that can't see it. So if you create a flow, that they can sort of quickly depend on. It's like an anchor. And then also you have to remember that a lot of times for uh, speech reading devices, they'll just use the um, arrow keys on the keyboard. So quickly clicking one to get over to the next block. Oh, it's an image. Click again, text. You know, so creating those operable kind of planning things is really helpful. And then, of course, plain language, you know, we can all get a little crazy with trying to say the same thing five ways, right? And then um, having tools uh, such as the one that you saw on one of my sites, I think it was on the tools for course creators uh, with Mark and Mark Mason, Jonathan Farley that I do some work with. Um, it's a really cool tool. And there's, there are a number of universal uh, disability tools to put on WordPress sites. But it's the one I like the best. And I like it the best because it doesn't bloat the site. And it's really, really easy to use. Like you click on it and can change your text and contrast. And it does all the great things that somebody with a visual impairment would really need. And then... Um, yeah, Do you know so the name of it off the top of your head? Yes, it's called User Way. Okay. And I'll get you the link to that um, in a bit. But yeah, it's it's a very good one. I like it. And free. So that's that's always nice. And um, then looking at some of the, again, for the online course graders. Yeah. Hey. Is really going okay. <laughs> it's all good. It's not. It's not bad. Um, learning learning styles. Okay, and this is interesting because I worked. Um, oh gosh, I'll give away my age in the early nineties, um, teaching universities planning for um, disability services 
in their in the universities and colleges. And I did that, and that kind of really took off because it was just a timing factor. But you know, I went all over Canada and the U.S. and Germany and taught universities how to set up um, disability support services in the learning institution. And so these, like, when you think about learning styles, um, and we all have our own various learning styles, and Mark Mays is really great at this stuff, um, you know, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, social learning, which you guys know a fair bit about with your social tools, um, emotional, you know, stress and relaxation, and then, you know, teaching, learning by teaching. And sometimes I think with the online learning, uh, this doesn't get lost, but, you know, it's important to think about your ideal student, of course, and to plan that thread throughout, whether it's learning or gamification, all the different areas, right? To just try and make sure that you cover all of these different styles. Now, there's also, of course, learning people with learning disabilities. And you think, oh, okay, is disability like its own learning style? And it's not really, because what happens is we all have traces of these learning styles, all of us. The difference with someone with a learning disability is they have larger gaps between them. You know, like we can, we, we have maybe preferences, you know, like, oh, I prefer to watch a video than to listen to an audio tape, for example. But if the information was only available by audio, I would still manage, you know. So it's, that's the preferences as opposed to the need. And so it's really good to be aware of these and certainly to know your own learning style, but then also to be able to plan for other people's. Um, but I think the biggest thing in, in terms of online course creation is there's a really large market that is still <laughs> somewhat untapped. And let me give you an example. For example, when I did my Living Well and Unwell course, I created, um, I guess you call them upsells, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, like uh, a little booklet on really how to, how to really get the best out of the time you have with your doctor. Because I don't know about in the States, but here in Canada, you get your 15 minutes kind of thing, right? And a lot of people are not prepared. So I teach people how to basically create like a one-page resume, if you like, but only it's about their medical situation. And then the minute you go in there and you hand them that, they love it. It's very efficient, then you end up getting more attention because you're not saying the same thing again and again, right? So there's a, there's a, there's a lot of little things. Well, I guess they're not little, but there's a lot of areas that are untapped that, um, um, you know, as our population is aging, you know, how to find an accessible house and how to sell an accessible house, stuff like that. Um, and there's some of it, but there needs to be more, I think. And then also the uh, exclusive approach. I mean, if you plan uh, from the beginning of when you're making your course to just consider some of these accessibility aspects, it'll, it'll be much easier because doing it the other way around, it's like 
the same as a, a house. You know, uh, renovating later is much more expensive than if you start off in the beginning making that ramp kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's that's really cool. Um, what, like, if if we're going to be inclusive from the start when we're creating our course, you know, what are what are some specifics we can do? We could potentially, you know do as much accessibility planning around our website. Like we, we could use that user way system. We can put alt text on images. Um, uh, what else, like what else can we do? Like in terms of like the learning styles, like in that, like a lesson, the lesson page or whatever, what, what would we do there with accessibility well, in mind? Yeah. Well, that, that is a great question. And that's something that actually Mark, Mark is working on now and he's designing a way to help people, you know, keep all those things into consideration. Cause you know, basically it's when you start your course, it's great. If you have, a, you have all the content, but you have to really kind of map it out, make your blueprint, I guess you guys would call it. Right. Um, but what I would do is much like you might do for writing a script, you know, like I would have my, uh, well, yeah, I did. I had like a video, audio, you know, uh, handouts, uh, downloads. And so I made these different categories knowing that if I had somebody that was blind, they would depend more on the audio. And if I had somebody who was deaf, they would be depending more on the video. So things like that. So whatever lesson I did, I made sure that all of those different sensory things were attended to, I guess. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's awesome. I, I, you know, it's funny it, with the alt text, you usually hear that coming, coming up as an SEO strategy, like, but that's not the intent. The intent is to like, just put the accessibility mind first and like help someone who can't see, understand what this image is. That's what it's really there for. Yeah, yeah. you're going to get better SEO if it's anyways, because you're describing what's in the image, which Google's trying to help help bring people looking for what's on your website and in your images and stuff. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like one of those crossovers, if you like, because it's the, you know, it's like when, when you talk about um, ramps, for example, you know, never enough ramps in, in Canada anyways tons of we're so much behind you guys but um you know like a ramp obviously once it's put in you'll see like mothers and baby carriages and delivery guys with carts <laughs> yeah. i mean everyone uses it. it's not just like oh just for the personal disability right and one one of the things i used to tell the people in the travel industry um if you're working with a customer that has a disability and they thinking they can't manage at a, maybe an all-inclusive res- resort, tell them to follow the beer cart. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's how they'll learn how to get to all the different areas of the <laughs> resort usually. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, you, you mentioned something in your learning styles I want to talk about, which was the, the social learning component. And I think this is actually like a crossover too to just general entrepreneurship which is like a lot of entrepreneurs are isolated and part of what they're looking for is not just information, but connection Mm -hmm. and community and to feel a part of a tribe 
basically, you know, to run in a similar pack that has similar problems and, and goals and challenges and that kind of thing. And, um, I think it's easy to get stuck just in information, mm-hmm. but like how it makes total sense to me if, um, you know, if you're, it's not as easy to get out into the world and do stuff and you can get kind of isolated. Like, can you t- tell more how mm-hmm. uh, about just social learning and what community means to you? And when you're in a learning context, like how you've, how you've experienced that online? Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting thing to unfold because um, one of the things I used to always say to people that, you know, I was, I had, I used to sell the hardest product in the world because nobody wants to be a part of my club, you know, <laughs> right. Nobody aspires to have a disability or, wow, can I use a walker? You know, yeah. <laughs> nobody wants that, right? Right. And, and whenever anyone use, moves my walker, yeah. I always say, welcome to your future, you know, <laughs> little reminder. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so that social learning is a big part. And it's, um, I mean, part of my training in the work that I've done, there's two camps to disability. And actually, Mark and I were just talking about this morning. There's the, what I call the always disabled, which is someone like myself who grew up with the experience, very different experience, to the newly disabled. That would be someone who maybe had a car accident or, you know, through... Uh, diabetes or illness has become acquired a level of disability. Yeah. Totally different experience. Yeah. Such that this morning when I was talking to Mark about it, Mark Mays, and he uses a a walker and, you know, has some physical limitations. So he said to me, well, I'm not disabled. And so he, like he said that in conversation. And so then I stopped him and said, did you just say that, you know, you don't have a disability? And he like he was like he was taken back, right? Because you know, like, see, in his mind, he still comes because he acquired it. It's a different thing, so it's like catching up to that is different. So then, when I asked him and said, "Well, if someone who didn't know you saw you walking down the street with your walker, what would they see?" You know, and he said, "Well, somebody old, <laughs> and old and disability do have unfortunately a, um, you know, an association." But, um, yeah, so the social aspect is huge in terms of the marketability for, again, connecting with this uh, community. I mean, I'm, I still go out. I drive with hand controls. I'm, you know, pretty good that way. But then there's a lot of times that I can't. Yeah. So then there's the, the online world. It's just been phenomenal, you know, because uh, – it's so much less uh, effort to, to connect. connect people. Yeah. Yeah. And when I did the Living Well When Unwell course, I'd say about 30% of it was geared on to the social aspect of that. But one thing that I did found really interesting that I think would be important to your community. Now, if you remember my background in social work, so I did a lot of um, – you know, therapeutic uh, group work, yeah, right? And there's a whole science and process to that. So I was like, wow, how's this going to work online, you know, right? So then when I did that, 
I was absolutely amazed. It, it actually was better online than in person. And I thought, no, why would that be? Well, in the in-person group, and don't forget, you're dealing with a vulnerable population. Like I said, nobody aspires to be in this club. <laughs> and so, you know, there everyone's like a little hesitant. They don't really want to be there, but they know they need some support. So it's difficult to open up and disclose information. Whereas online, they still have the comfort of their own home. There's less physical effort needed. You know, and they're just there's just more safety, if you like. So I found people were much more willing to open up faster. So the whole process of what someone goes through with group work in a therapeutic sense, I found was remarkably effective online. That's a really great insight that people in an online social learning context, because they're in the comfort of their own home with less effort to get there. And, you know, they're kind of in more control of the, you know, how long they're going to stay or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's, um, that's really empowering. I've never thought about that. That's a really, that's really counterintuitive insight. Well, and something as simple as, you know, uh, you know, having shoes on can be like a really difficult thing for some people, right? Yeah. And so the whole time they're sitting in the therapy session, they might be worrying about how am I going to make it home? You know, you know, so there's this whole other aspect of the before and after, not just being there. Mm -hmm. that gets all taken care of. So you don't have to worry about that online. I mean, you know, I mean, I've attended some of your masterminds in my pajamas. You don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you don't care. <laughs> you know? And so, and sometimes actually I'm, you know, I just will have my little picture up because I'm not having a good day. Right. But I can still be there. Yeah. So I find that really, that helps me a lot dealing with my chronic pain. Yeah, that's that's a fascinating point. Um, I want to ask you a few questions before we go about your just journey as a course creator. Um, how did you, I, I guess as an education entrepreneur, with a background in social work, how, how did you, what contributed to pulling together all these skills? Like, for example, when I noticed you online, when I first noticed you, I think I saw somewhere like you have a graphic of, uh, it's like a picture of you or a woman with gray curly hair in a, in a wheelchair or a, um, what do you call it? A scooter. A scooter. And, and it was like, you just had this like branding, like just nailed, like this is Susan's brand and it's, it shows in what you do. Like, so there's these branding skills, design skills, technology skills. You're talking about learning styles, like teaching skills. What, what allowed you to blend all this together? Was it just wanting to serve your community or, or what, what was the, the driver? Yeah. That, gee, that's a really good question. You know, I'm not even really sure that, yeah, that's an interesting. There's my little cartoon there. That's my partner, Jan. And by the way, where did you get that designed? Or did you design that? Yeah, it's mine, yeah. Oh, you designed it. Cool. Yeah, I make, I make all the cartoons. And the, wow. And, yeah. So I artist. Often, yeah, it's like I say, I've always been fairly creative. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. And I've, you know, I, I one of the things I try to do is I, you know, like, Disability is so heavy. 
right? And that's always been my thing. And um, even as a, like when I worked as a social worker, and I think because I grew up with it, you know, I don't know, I don't, who knows, whatever. But like I say, I perceive my disability as my best friend, teaches me many things. Sure, it's a pain in the ass some days, but, you know, it's my life, right? So I try to lighten it up for people because, um, yeah, I find, like, I didn't see a lot of cartoons online with people with disabilities. There was nothing fun. So that's why I thought, you know, I need to do that. <laughs> so then that's how I became to brand myself, I guess. So now my little cartoons are, you know, people are like, hey, you haven't made a cartoon in a while. And I get a lot of requests for them, but I, I don't have time to do very many. I mean, I did Mark and John, but <laughs> I'll probably end up doing one for you. You look like you'd be easy to do. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I'd love that. I'd, I'd, I'd really love that. Um, Susan Wheeler Hall. You can find her at susanwheelerhall.com. If you want to see a great implementation of a lifter site, check out her, her teaching site called lifesmarts.ca. She also has a podcast called livingwelltoday.ca. Mm-hmm. And um, her hub kind of coaching site, susanwillerhall.com. And her web design is over at serenewebdesign.com. What's, I, I got to ask you before we go about the podcast, what inspired that? I, I see um, that like the cor- course, like course creators and coaches and stuff, they need some like mm-hmm. free content out there. And I'm a big champion of podcasts and YouTube videos. Like how, how did your podcast begin? Well, yeah. Well, actually, I did a radio show here in Canada for seven years. Okay. Called Accessibility Matters. Okay. And that's where that site came from, Accessibility Matters. And um, they wanted me to continue, and I was like, "Nah, you know, I get a little, I get a little tired of just being the accessibility thing." Yeah. And I thought the Living Well Today, because that blended more with my Living Well when I'm well work. Yeah. Was a better fit. Because then basically it's it's more than just like don't put up stairs. <laughs> right. You know, it was a little more about the experience and how to to do that. And yeah, sure, marketing. It's a great marketing tool, a great way to connect with people. And people it's amazing how podcast people find me, reach out to me, which I love even when they do that. Um yeah, and I find for myself personally. I listen to a lot of audio things because it helps me deal with chronic pain. Mm-hmm. So when I'm not able to work, which is not often, then I like to listen to audio because it, you know, it helps me move my mind away from the pain. So, and yeah, so the podcast is really helpful that way. And I also do, you know, a fair bit of work with Mark and Jonathan these days at Tools for Course Creators. So, of course, I met them through your mastermind. And uh, so now we, we kind of work together daily now. So it's kind of cool to have that yeah. connection. Yeah, that's awesome. There's another uh, plug for um, the power of community. Like the relationships that form for you watching or listening to this as a course creator, sometimes the value is just connecting other people. Yeah, or that's, that's a big part of it. Susan, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And we'll have to do this again sometime. Great. Well, thanks for having me, Chris. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. 
I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I hope you enjoyed the show. This show was brought to you by Lifter LMS, the number one tool for creating, selling, and protecting engaging online courses to help you get more revenue, freedom, and impact in your life. Head on over to lifterlms.com and get the best gear for your course creator journey. Let's build the most engaging results getting courses on the internet. Thank you.